first scripture today is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 26, verses 3 and 4. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord, is the rock eternal. Second reading is from Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friend. I plead for Beodia and I plead for Syntyche to agree with each other in Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. The word of the Lord. Peace is a commodity, an experience that many people are searching hard for. The rise of contemplative prayer practices, mindfulness, yoga, therapeutic techniques, none of which are bad things at all, uh, but they all belie the fact that we're not experiencing the peace in our hearts, and our minds, and our consciences, that we long for. We're afflicted with worry, and anxiety, and doubt, and sometimes fear. We're afflicted with guilt and uncertainty. The times make us anxious. There's certainly no shortage of things in the world or in our society that rob us of peace. Sometimes we think, well, if I change this job, or if I move to another place, or if I find another partner, that'll give me peace. But changing the externals doesn't necessarily bring peace. I've sometimes gone hiking up in the beautiful mountains of our canyons and very peaceful surroundings, and yet my mind can just be playing the tapes, swirling with thoughts that are just bothering me and harassing me, and I have no peace. 
And I'm in peaceful settings, but inside I'm not peaceful. I was on the internet this weekend. Pop-up ad came up on this particular site. And it told me to rest in peace and buy a $350,000 life insurance policy. <laughs> rest in peace. That's what it said. I didn't know how to take that. <laughs> I didn't buy the policy either. In Philippians, Paul writes about the peace of God. And it's not like there weren't problems. It's not like there wasn't anxiety for the Philippians, their church, or for Paul. Paul is in jail. He's in chains. Paul isn't sure whether he's going to live or whether they're going to put him to death. He is suffering separation anxiety from a church that he loves and knows, but that he can't be with, and he knows has been under attack. There have been people opposing the gospel message. Some people are misrepresenting Christ. There are those who are doing things out of the wrong motivations. He hears of disunity in the church. He uh, names two women, Euodia and Syntyche, in that church who aren't getting along, and he pleads for them to bend things and agree. And yet, amidst all this, Paul writes about joy. He writes about the Christian life, and he writes about peace. He writes to the believers in Philippi that as they take to God in prayer all the things, he says everything, everything, makes you anxious. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He says that as they focus their minds on certain virtues and do the things in the Christian life that he has taught them and modeled for them, he says the God of peace will be with you. When we read Philippians, we learn something about living in the peace of God. Let's first understand what the peace of God is not. What it is not. The peace of God is not learning to be still. It is not being totally happy. The peace of God is not finding oneness with some principle beyond and outside this world. God's peace is not a life without uncertainties or without trouble. God's peace is not being disengaged from responsibility or commitment, nor is it having all the answers to every problem. God's peace doesn't come by rational resolution at all. Paul says, do not be anxious. Do not worry. But you know, even Paul experienced anxiety. Earlier in the letter, he admits he's sending a man in Epaphrodites to the Philippians because he is worried about them and he wants Epaphrodites to go and to make them more confident and to lessen Paul's anxiety as he works for them. In 2 Corinthians, Paul speaks about the anxiety he says he carries for all the churches. There's appropriate anxiety, there's inappropriate anxiety. There are real things that worry us. The peace of God is not absolute happiness. It does not mean we will have no pressure. It does not mean we will be free necessarily of all anxiety. But what it is, the peace of God. 
The peace of God is ultimately the peace in God and from God. It is the sense of God's presence. It is the awareness of Him when we are up to our neck in life. It is bigger than our imaginations. It's bigger than our solutions. It is the sense of being held on the roller coaster. It is knowing that he walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death or any other valley for that matter. The peace of God is a calmness even when everything around us might be working against us. Paul says it transcends all understanding. It is not rational. It is transcendent. You sit in the hospital waiting for the results or waiting for the loved one to come out of surgery and you can't really give a rational explanation for why you are at peace as that happens. Or you watch a loved one dying and you can't even account for why, even if you breathe, you have peace. Your job is just nuts. It's nuts. It's uncertain. And yet you have a sense that you're being held. The transmission blows and you have a sense you're going to be okay. When Paul says that this peace of God keeps and guards our minds and our hearts, as if he's saying, this will keep you sane. This will keep you sane. That's what it does. The word for guard, it's a military word. It was used of a sentry or a soldier who would stand on his post. When we commit our lives to God through prayer, bringing everything, doing it with thanksgiving, Trusting him with it, God's peace stands guard with our hearts and with our minds. It stands guard. This peace does not come from on inside of us because oftentimes we can be a mess. The peace does not come from outside of us because look at the circumstances and the things that happen around you. Those aren't necessarily peaceful. The peace is from God who is the God of peace. Paul gets ready to conclude his letter to Philippians. We know that because he says, finally, brothers and sisters, and he charges them to think about some stuff. Think about whatever. Think about whatever he says is true. He says, think about whatever is noble. Think about whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, admirable. Think about whatever is excellent. Think about whatever is praiseworthy. Let me say a word about that list of virtues that Paul gives. Uh, it isn't Paul saying, hey, just keep thinking positively, folks, and everything's going to turn out okay. It's not what he's saying. The list of eight virtues that Paul uses there were very common terms in kind of Greek moral philosophy. They were not particularly religious terms. They were terms that Paul used in many of his other letters. They were qualities that were hailed, that were admired in the larger world, religious or non-religious. God has good in a lot of different places, and all good comes from God. Yes, Christians live in the world, and we are not of it, but we are in the world. And there's a lot of beauty in the world. It doesn't necessarily come from sources directly tied to the church. The works of art, there is music, there are ideas, the organizations that are noble and true and praiseworthy and excellent. 
cosa? Non è mai studioso. Cercato di pizza. <laughs> the American Red Cross. Democracy and civil liberties. Japanese gardens. Fidelity. The Wounded Warrior Project. God has put good, has put beauty in so many places, and he has also placed it in the human heart. <clears throat> virtue is kind of shunned today. It's kind of sad. It's kind of shunned. Virtue. It's not necessarily embraced. Being bad, speaking openly about the lower parts of ourselves. I don't know. I guess it makes us seem more edgy or dangerous or unreal, supposedly. Rebellion is cool. Being a badass, a rebel, someone who gives a hair, that's kind of glamorous. Why can't virtue? What is true? What is noble? What is beautiful? What is excellent? Why can't that be real? Don't apologize for pursuing virtue. Be mature enough and secure enough to seek what is good in every form, in every way. It is applauded in Philippians by Paul. Furthermore, he tells them, do the things that they've seen and they've heard in him and the example that he follows in Christ. And he says, as you do this, the God of peace will be with them. We can have peace because God is the God of peace. It is part of who God is. It is part of his name. Go back in the book of Judges in the Old Testament. Gideon, the leader of the armies of Israel, gives God the name Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. Judges is a really interesting book for the Lord to get this name because Judges is a book of conflict and violence. I think it's the darkest book in the whole Bible. You read it. The last verse of Judges kind of sums up the whole book. It says this, And all the people did what was right in their own well, I mean, we can imagine what a society looks like when everybody does what is right in their own lives. It just becomes totally selfish and arrogant and greedy and violent. And that was Judges. And there's this repeated cycle in the book of Judges where the people of God, with Israel, rebel against the Lord. They turn against God. They do things their own way. And then they get hammered on. They get captured. They lose their independence, usually, from some foreign people. And then they repent, and they're sorry, they cry out to God to help them, and God comes and helps them, and then they're delivered. And then the whole thing starts again. And this cycle just goes again and again in Judges. And the Lord comes to Gideon while the Israelites are in one of those low times, they're under the oppression and the control of the Midianites, who are a powerful army, and he enlists, the Lord enlists Gideon to lead Israel against the Midianites. And he does it by telling Gideon that he is with him, and then he says, Gideon, you are a mighty boy. You go and rescue my people. Gideon asks the Lord, you know, if you're with me, why is everything such a mess? Which is a good question. In his fear about his situation and about his uncertainty about whether Israel can pull this off against the mighty Midianites, Gideon asks the Lord for a sign. The Lord gives him a sign, and then he says this to Gideon, Peace be to you. You will not die, so do not fear. 
And it says that Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it Yahweh Shalom, the Lord's peace. Even before the Lord gave the victory over the Midianites, Gideon named it and named him and what he knew to be true. And he named that place after the Lord. Paul himself, Paul calls the Lord the God of peace. He is our peace. It is who he is. Peace is his character. Peace is his nature. Living in God's peace comes in living in that relationship with him. And as we're reconciled to him, and as we live in his purposes and will, this peace holds us, surrounds us, and fills us. Prophet Isaiah, he said, you, God, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. Some of us might be more familiar with uh, the old school, King James Version. Remember, uh, he will keep in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on him. God keeps in peace those who are set on him. And the key word here is trust. Perfect peace comes to those who trust the Lord. And to trust is to continue to rely on the Lord with dogged determinism, no matter what the circumstances. To rely on the Lord with dogged determinism, no matter what the circumstances. It might not feel, might not be convenient, not easy, but we do rely on Him. Trusting the Lord doesn't mean we shun the help of others. The Lord might send his help in many, many avenues. There's a group of young men who, uh, in the 20s, they, they, they said they wanted to sail around the world. That's what, that's what we are going to do. We are going to sail around the world. Can you imagine doing that? And so they said, we're going to get a boat, and we're going to make plans, and we're going to prepare, and we're going to map this out. We are going to sail around the world. One of, the, one of the men was a bit anxious. Never sailed before. <laughs> In his anxiety, he started reading the Bible. About anxiety, started praying more. I mean, doesn't Paul say, don't be anxious about it. You just bring it. Bring it to God. And, and the peace of God will be with us. Doesn't he say that? So that's what he did. Uh, one time as he was praying, it was as if he heard God whisper. I'll give you peace if you read some books on singing. <laughs> it's like your anxiety is due to a lack of prayer. It's, it's due to a lack of knowledge and experience about sailing. It wasn't that he wasn't unprayerful. He was ignorant and unskilled about sailing. So he began to get educated about sailing, and that's how God wrote peace in his heart. We trust the Lord, and the Lord has any number of ways to provide for us as we look to Him. Jesus told His disciples, Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. And He said this even as the trauma of His arrest and His crucifixion, His cross was just hours away. Of course, it was through that cross. Christ made peace between us and God. 
The world can give a peace. The world can give a peace, but it is not the peace of Jesus who gives a peace as the world cannot give. And I want you to see this common thread about God's peace. See the common thread. Paul and the Philippians, they had plenty to worry about. They were living under tremendous adversity, but Paul knew the peace of God could be theirs. <clears throat> Gideon lived in turbulent, violent times, yet he came to know the Lord as his peace. Isaiah lived in a time of deep international turmoil, where there was plenty to rob Israel of peace, but he preached that trust in the Lord would bring perfect peace. Jesus gives peace to his disciples, even as he is moving towards the agony of the cross. Though the circumstances were not conducive to peace, in any of those situations, the peace of God is there. Living in God's peace does not mean no troubles. Living in God's peace is holding on and being held within the troubles. It goes deeper than worry or fear that can be very real. Living in God's peace is being anchored in a trustful, prayerful relationship with Him. I was reading a recent talk from a Christian leader who was trying to articulate how he was living through these kind of chaotic political and social times we were finding ourselves in. And someone uh, had asked him how he was doing and what he was going to do. And he said, I'm going to find a spiritual director. And he was serious. He felt the need to not let his life on Facebook be his response to all the craziness. But he said he needed to become grounded again within his deepest self and with God. And he said that as we live in these days of anxious reactivity, we need to find places, we need to find persons who will become our anchor point. We must examine where we will go and what we will do and whose company we will seek to provide a steadfast, trustworthy experience that indissolubly connects our lives to God's love. I would say God's peace as well. Long ago, there's a story of a man who wanted to find a picture, you know, like a painting, an artwork, a picture of God's perfect peace. Perfect peace. And so uh, he couldn't find one that satisfied him, and he announced the contest to make this masterpiece. And it was a great prize, and the challenge of this just stirred the imagination of so many artists and people. Um, and paintings arrived from far and wide. Finally, the great day arrived for all the attempts to create this perfect piece, this picture of perfect peace. And uh, the judges brought out the pictures and covered them one by one of people's attempts. And, and the crowd, was, they were awed, and they clapped some, and, they, um, and, and the tension just grew. And finally, only two paintings remained. One of the judges came and took the cover off one of the paintings. And, and everyone just kind of murmured. It was so beautiful. The artist had pictured and painted a, a, a lake. It was just as smooth, so smooth it was like a mirror. And green birch trees underneath a soft evening sky. He, he painted a flock of sheep grazing on the side of the lake. Surely people thought this is the winner. So peaceful. This is what peace is about. 
And then the man who sponsored the contest came and he unveiled the last painting. And you could just sense the surprise in the crowd. The picture was of a tumultuous water cascade coming down and over some rocky, jagged cliffs. You can almost feel the cold, the penetrating spray, and stormy clouds threatened to explode just with lightning and wind and rain. And in the midst of the thundering noises, in the midst of the bitter chill, this thin tree, just practically nothing, clung to these jagged rocks and in a, a very small, thin branch jutted out right in front of this tumultuous, powerful waterfall. These destructive waters. And a little bird built a nest in the elbow of that branch. Content, undisturbed, in her stormy surroundings, she rested on her eggs with her eyes closed wings ready to cover her little ones, but she showed a peace that transcended the earthly turmoil just all around her. And in life, many people try to find a way to shut off the waterfall, get rid of the clouds, hold back the thundering noises. Man, that can be a hard thing to do. There are people from whom the storms that are raging around them, stop. They get them to stop, but inside they're still raging. And then there are people for whom the storm rages around them, and they can't stop it, but inside they're at peace. Might be a little scary, it might be a little cold, the waters might be coming down way too hard and way too fast and way too close for us. But the peace of God is transcends, which passes all understanding will stand guard and watch over our minds and over our hearts, holding us, anchoring us, come what may. Yahweh Shalom, Lord of our peace. ask you to calm the waves of our hearts and that cannot happen certainly. Come with your Holy Spirit to cover us and invade us and surround us with your peace. Give us what the world cannot give. Thank you that this is the kind of God you are, as part of who you are. We bring every anxiety, every request to you, asking you'll be able to exchange it with your peace. We thank you for this. We pray in Jesus' name. His peace, the world cannot give. Thank you.